1997's romantic in air quotes comedy in air quotes <laughs> trial and error. So I wanted to ask because obviously I'd never heard of this movie or anything like that. But upon watching it, I was struck because I wanted to find out, and this has probably struck you a little harder because you guys are both women, both comedians, and Robin, you have a law degree. So how many ways is this movie offensive to the two of you? <laughs> 55. Because it was offensive to me in many ways, and none of those things apply to me. I definitely wrote down some grumbly JD notes. And I want to give a shout out to my friend Jay Evans, who, when I first told him about the premise of this podcast, he said, are you doing trial and error? (laughs) (laughs) He is also an attorney, and I think that this movie, he probably was in law school around the time this movie came out, and I think that it's just, like, imprinted on him. Well, I would like to give a a shout-out to Alex O'Brien, who I said that we were doing this movie this week, and just a look passed over her face, and she said, Charlize has a wide cannon. (laughs) (laughs) Our friends are funny. I think we should give it our one-sound review before we go too far into our actual opinions. Yes. Oh. Oh. Uh. Okay. (laughs) So, sorry, guys. I might be in the Prometheus chair here. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Which is not to say that I liked it. But you weren't actively upset by it? No. I mean, here's the thing. There were parts of this movie that I could not help but laugh at. And then I felt like guilty about finding it so funny because i'm like this is so dumb what parts made you laugh well we'll get there so i'm gonna quickly run us through the premise and basically jeff daniels is a high-powered attorney and he's a week away from his wedding to a blonde bitchy young person his boss's daughter right and an actress who i only recognized from similar bitchy young person roles although apparently she was on in living color which i have no memory of her no or any white woman being on that show so probably not prominently used so anyway he is sent by the boss his future father-in-law out to nevada to represent like someone who a, he a family member a fam- a family like a cousin friend or something right i think yeah. it's a cousin and he's like I know it's a week before your wedding, but you're going to be family, so you make this problem go away. Exactly. And it seems like a pretty minor problem. Yeah, it's a fraud case because he was selling online? Was there an online? No, it was mail. Okay. It was mail <laughs> fraud. Yeah. yeah, he was selling a carved... A Lincoln was, engraving. An engraving, A, a yeah. copper Lincoln engraving for seventeen ninety nine, And what he would essentially ship them was a penny. Yeah. So, yeah, da 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 Okay. And so he's defending this guy for fraud, but it's 
supplanting his bachelor party, which is being organized by his best man, who's a guy he grew up with, who's an actor named... Uh, who cares? Richard. Named Cosmo Kramer. <laughs> it's Richard, um, right? Yeah, Richard, Richard Rietti. Richard Rietti. Yeah. yeah. So, played by Michael Richards, who, like, it's so adorable thinking that at some point, Cosmo Kramer so captured the national imagination that there was a possibility that Michael Richards was going to have a film career. <laughs> yeah, I wrote down as a note, because, like, I'm often out of touch with pop culture, but I was like, was he ever considered good? Like, was there a point where people were like, that guy has got it? I think this was that very brief moment. Really? Yes. Because there's a scene in this movie, if I may allow, this little interruption, where we see Michael Richards doing an audition, and it's a terrible audition because he is acting as if the mafia is beating him up. So it's this weird situation where he's in a theater and there's a bunch of agents, which I don't believe is how I don't think movie that's auditions how that works. work. Yeah. And he's <laughs> acting as if he's getting beaten up by invisible people. Like in Fight Club. Right. But yeah. And it's really bad, both because it doesn't showcase him as an actor, but also it's not entertaining to watch as an audience And member. this is one of the first scenes. Yeah. Yes. It also never comes back. It's, there's no callback to it later on. I think on. it's just meant to show that he's not a, that he's sort of a unsuccessful actor. Right. Who makes bad melodramatic choices and doesn't understand context clues. But I sort of felt like, I just get the impression that that might be how Michael Richards actually would have auditioned. That like that would, like the way that he is perceived in that moment by the casting directors. I'm like, isn't that how everyone sees him? Like he's not good. Like being clumsy is not either acting well or inherently hilarious. Like he certainly does not have Dick Van Dyke level vaudevillian charm when he fumbles a book. No. No. So I just, I'm like, what's the appeal? And now knowing what we do know about him, I'm doubly like... Right. Yeah. So, like, I've never, uh, I, like, uh, Seinfeld did not make it across the pond. What? Like, not a transcontinental success in the same oh my way gosh. that Friends was or anything like that. So I had Well, that no, explains Brexit. Well, there you go. <laughs> I had never had any contact with Michael Richards before he was horribly racist, and Seinfeld told us not to laugh at him. So that now when I watch this, I don't know if my opinion of him is colored by that I event. felt exactly the same or way. Or if he's just not funny. Well, because well, I was remember, a big Seinfeld Me watcher, too. But, but I was a child, yeah. is the thing. <laughs> Full disclosure, remember zero things about it. Like, I watched it religiously every Thursday because it was bowling night for my dad and my mom and I were like, Seinfeld and ER. And I'm like, I know I have seen almost all of it. And I remember the season finale, or series finale, but I was like, I don't really remember Kramer as a character other than, like, walking in the door. So, that's yeah. what Colin came in and he's like, is that this guy? And then mimicked walking in a door. Yeah. <laughs> what a weird non-phrase catchphrase. But yeah. I also remember also showering face, with too. lettuce. Yeah. Yeah. And his weird hair sticking up, which I still don't understand how exactly that's accomplished. Yeah. Anyway, my friends in Cape Town, Kadex and Thomas watched the whole series a couple years ago and she grew up with it like we did. She's American and he's South African and never watched it. And they both really enjoyed watching it again. So it holds up slash for both people who liked it as a kid and for grownups who've never seen it before. Maybe not the specific Michael Richards element of it. That remains to be seen. Yeah. Anyway, guys. So Michael Richards is throwing Jeff Daniels a bachelor party Because he's been moved to the middle of nowhere, Nevada, he's like, well, we'll just do it here. And he brings his actor friends, because it's implied that Jeff Daniels has no friends of his own. 
Oh, I thought it was implying that Michael Richard has not actually planned a party and that he was like, these are the people that I can get in touch with and that he was a thoughtless friend who didn't care about what his friend actually oh, wanted. Oh, that is probably what Possibly really that meant. too, yeah. Because yeah. the, there was like a moment where he's like, but the party's tonight. I, and he's like, you plan, or he says something about like, you planned everything and there's a look of like, did I? Okay. Anyway. <laughs> so they go to what seems to be the bar in town. Correct. Or it's maybe the hotel bar. I think it's the bar. hotel bar, yeah. Yeah, but... Boy, is this a terrible bar, because he, <laughs> he's like, I'll have a shivis. And she's like, we're out of shivis? She and I, being Charlize. I think she doesn't know what that is. Right. <laughs> and she gets shots and suds for the other boys. And when he's told he can't have his scotch, she's like, well, I'll have a Manhattan. No, she offers him a Manhattan. Yeah, that's oh. the weirdest bar. She's like, would you like a Manhattan? How about a Paradise Manhattan? Because they're in Paradise something, Nevada. Oh. Paradise Flush or something it's called. Paradise Falls. No, I think it's something. There are no falls in Nevada. Yeah. There's no water you in just Nevada. just fall off the mountain with boredom. <laughs> Tumbleweed. <laughs> But yeah, she offers, she's like, how about this special kind of Manhattan? And then she goes to the barman, like, hey, do you know how to make a Manhattan? And these guy, the guy's like, no. They're like, why would you offer something that neither you nor the barman knows also, how to make? a Manhattan has three ingredients. Also, guys, this is a moment where if they had a cell phone, this whole <laughs> movie would have fallen apart because he just would have gotten a Manhattan and nothing else would have happened. Right. <laughs> so she gives him... Basically, a Long Island iced tea yeah. with grenadine in it instead of Coke. It's just every alcohol on the bar plus a cherry. Right. And he loves it, which mm-hmm. I don't find very believable. Nope. And He's later on very fussy. Yes. Yeah, someone else <laughs> makes one for him and he's like, it's not as good as when the beautiful woman brought it to me. Right. So he gets drunk, gets in a bar fight. By being a lawyer. By, he's all like, excuse me. <laughs> he like tries to chime in with helpful information from law school. And then the two ruffians look at him and are like, are you a lawyer? And then they do the thing where they both punch simultaneously. And Into he, the camera. Yeah. And yeah. then he falls over. Because this movie wants you to know that lawyers and actors, charlatans in the eyes of real humans are the worst. True. <laughs> Including other lawyers. So, all right. So he's got a concussion and Michael Richards accidentally gives him too many of his pain pills. And so he passes out in the bathroom right before he's supposed to go into his court hearing and ask for a continuance. Mm -hmm. So Michael Richards is like, you know what? Um, I'll go be you. And in a delightful detail for me and Regina and no one else, Jeff Daniels character is named Tuttle. (laughs) Ah, <laughs> uh, so what, why Mash, is that a delightful? Mash super fans may remember the episode Tuttle, where they make up a person to be the scapegoat for all of their problems. Mm. Like Tuttle did it. By the way, this is based on a real life story. I think at Yale, people made up a student who got blamed for everything. <laughs> uh, my grandparents really did that. His name was Sam. <laughs> it's like whenever you heard something weird in the house, like, ah, Sam's at it again. <laughs> Basically, Tuttle's a fake person. So then in this whole case of mistaken identity that goes on, it was nice that Tuttle again was a fake person. Anyway, Michael Richards decides to pretend to be Tuttle. Yeah, super illegal. Yeah, so illegal and so misguided. I'm not really sure what was preventing him from going to the judge and saying, I'm so sorry, the attorney is incapacitated, which is a right. really good reason to grant a continuance. Yeah. <laughs> so that would have accomplished everything. But he asked for a continuous and a continuance. And then uh, the DA, played by Jessica Steen, Vancouver's steely-eyed... <laughs> 
bitch in charge. What? <laughs> She's in like a lot of Vancouver shot things. This was clearly okay. not shot in Vancouver. No. Because <laughs> it's in the actual desert. But anyway, she's like, no, these big city lawyers come to town and they think that they run the show. And the judge, played by Austin Pendleton. Treasure. Yes. What a, a treasure. What a treasure. He's like, you know what? You're right. He's also tired of the big city lawyers. So no continuance. <laughs> They're going to uh, commence trial immediately. And uh-oh. Michael Richards now has to pretend to be a lawyer. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the premise. I don't even know if we need to describe the plot further. <laughs> no, it's basically like there's some switcheroos. Yeah. He, like, the trial is a fiasco, and Charlize is the waitress at the hotel. hotel and she and Jeff Daniels. And the diner. And she basically waits. No, she's not. She's, uh, she's a She's guest a customer at the diner. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. That makes me feel better about her life. Yeah. Yeah. So they have an inexplicable romance because she sees him like sitting on the street with a bloody nose and she's like, come back to my trailer. And she's like, oh, I was on my way to get my master's degree, but I blew a tire out. So I just stayed in this town ever since. And I'm like the wind and I just live life and I'm full of passion. And I also read Walt Whitman. So I'm the best. Oh God. Like when he's in her beat up truck, a convertible truck, there's no top what? to it. That, but that doesn't make it a convertible. <laughs> Does it have no top it's just, ever? It's just I, topless. It just has a windshield and a back area? Yeah, I think that's a thing. Yeah, I don't think that... You're very stuck on that when you saw it. I don't think that's weird. No, that's super weird, guys. Yeah. I want to see another example of a car that's just like, no, we, it'll I mean, never I, have a thing come from I'll the tell sky. you, I totally had a toy truck that was like that as a <laughs> child. And so that is clearly representative of reality. But so they are at her trailer... We'll summarize this plot. And she, like, helps him for some inexplicable reason and is palsy with him. And then, essentially, he realizes that he followed the rules his whole life. And what he really should do is enjoy shooting toilets, toilets with shotguns with beautiful strangers. So, what I was going to say before we got sidetracked by the plausibility of a topless pickup truck is... <laughs> That's an important point. I just felt like that whole scene where it's like, here's her beat-up pickup. She's got leaves of grass in the back. She lives in a trailer. She's got moons and stars tattooed on her right. thigh. It just felt like the cool girl's speech from Gone Girl, but... Serious. I did not see Gone Girl. <laughs> okay. But yeah, it was just like, look how awesome this chick is. And then she says, you know what you need? And I say, if she takes him shooting, I am going yep. to punch myself in the face. And then I did punch myself in the face because she does take him shooting. She yeah. does. So I feel like this movie felt like vaguely Walden-esque to me, where it's like, leave the city trappings and your strictures yeah. of justice and your rules behind and just connect with people and be out in nature, essentially. Yeah. And I also felt like the movie was judging people in a sort of platonic way, where it's like, oh, people who act like dissemble and people who are lawyers like dissemble in their performances and that they are not their true selves and that there is a distance between truth and what they're doing and what they're doing is therefore like like I don't know something to, uh, to get punched in the face for literally and just that like I don't know the movie seemed very down on both those professions but I feel like they hold up the DA as a good person but I think they hold up what's good about her is that she is the magic flute woman where she rides her motorcycle with the flames and that's when she's wild and free and that's what the last image we see of her yeah. is like she's just like riding her motorcycle in the distance but when you see her in the courtroom I think the way that the movie perceives her is the way that the nutritionist is like you're uptight you worry too much you drink caffeine you care about your job oh. but like I feel like the part of her that the movie actually liked was I don't think the movie is saying that like people should be stupid 
Um, and, like, not educated in terms of removed from society. Like, they like that Charlize could have been an astronomer and they, you know, like, she reads poetry or this or that. But I don't know. I felt like the the only time that the DA was meant to be sympathetic was when we, like, saw beneath her veneer of civility. Hmm. Yeah, this movie has, like, some troubling trajectories for its characters in that, like, Jeff Daniels' character goes from being, like, I am a high-powered, very traditionally, like, monogamous kind of lawyer, like, I do everything by the book, and then he's supposed to go off the rails with the help of Charlize, a very unconvincing romance that brews between them for no reason. By the way, this is another movie where he's 20 years older than yes. Right, which is gross. Uh, but he then he's supposed to, like, he, he like embraces the chaos of, like, yeah. natural, like, fun-loving life or whatever that's supposed to be. And then Michael Richards has the opposite trajectory where he starts off as irresponsible and then tries to be more and more lawyerly and, like, takes on the role of being a lawyer and, like, a, you know, by-the-book kind of person. Um, but then also at the end of that re- realizes that he's being irresponsible because he is. Yeah. Uh, uh, and so that's supposed to be his, but his trajectory is like all warped and bizarre. Like it doesn't, he's trying to be more structured and like he really wants to win the case. He's trying to take care of his friend. He basically starts reading, like Jeff Daniels becomes less and less interested in what's going on in the courtroom. He gets banned from the courtroom. And yeah. then that did lead to one scene which I could not help but laugh at, which is he goes into the vent yes. above the courtroom to like whisper things to Michael Richards. Cause they, he had been sitting next to him and like taking out flashcards that said like object relevance. Yeah. Right. Right. And cause he's not allowed to practice law because he's presented as an assistant because he doesn't have a bar card because Michael Richards is pretending to be him. Right. Another way that cell phones are really more so the internet would have created a problem. You can right. generally find photographs of most lawyers who especially, are that high power, especially partners, yeah, of partners law firms. will be yeah. on their faces will be on the internet. Yeah, I thought at some point I was like, "Oh, she gonna Google and see if he's at the firm now that she knows the firm name?" And I was like, "No, yeah. <laughs> this is 1997." So he falls through the ceiling, obviously. Of course, <laughs> and yeah. Like I was like so mad. Like as the wood started creaking, I'm like, oh, "I hate that this is gonna happen, and I'm gonna laugh at it." <laughs> but I did, and then the thing that really made me laugh was that for the rest of the film there's like a like hazard sign where the defense bench would be and so they just put them in a card table <laughs> yeah because the judge is like i will have no more delays we are getting through this so right so the defendant played by rip torn and michael richards just sit at a card table for the rest of the movie and every single time i laughed yeah uh, well, while that is happening he's been like kicked out of the courtroom and so he's had this like shooting a toilets moment with Charlize and then we see him and Michael Richards sitting in a grass lawn both regretting their life choices like he's like oh I'm gonna marry this girl everything in my life is perfect and Michael Richards is like I don't know what I'm doing and then as because it always happens the sprinklers come on ah yes and then oh no he's already had sex with her uh they have sex in the trailer they don't have sex in the trailer She comes and sees him sitting outside the courtroom, like, walkie-talking to help, and then they start making out on the grass, and then they go back to the trailer, and Jeff Daniels and Charlize have abrupt sex, 
Because she's like, oh, like, we just had this connection. So they ultimately have sex in the trailer, but not the first time they're in Correct. the trailer. So they go to the trailer and do the shooting, and then it's the next day, and, like, when he sees her again, he is changed and jumps her bones. And then they go off and have sex, and then he and Michael Richards are sad, because he cheated on his fiance that he's about to marry in three days. I would like to think that's part of why he's sad. And also, Charlize had seen something in the pocket that said, you know, I'm going to be a groom. There's, like, a right. little pamphlet. So she knew... Vaguely. But then immediately after that, it is the truth. <laughs> because she, like, finds out that, uh, like, about his wife or his fiance, and then, like, sobs in the car. Co- right, heart, exactly. The, the corridor. She finds out because the fiance comes to the place to surprise her fiance and also get him to pick a boutonniere. And she's like, I ordered champagne and fruit. And Charlie's working at the hotel, thinks that Jeff Daniels has ordered it for them. this romantic yeah. thing for them. Right. And she walks in to deliver it and is all excited. And the other woman is there. This, but- by the way, is my Charlie Zenith. Because before she goes back into the hallway and sobs, I really liked how she was playing it like pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. Like she's, she, like, it's, no she's problem. obviously so disappointed and embarrassed. Yeah. But she just is trying to keep up, you know, a, a good face both for the fiance. Like she doesn't want the fiance to know. Yeah. And also she doesn't want Jeff Daniels to know that she's hurt. Right. And I just felt like she was playing all those levels there. Yeah, she was great. Expertly. And I was like, this she knows how to act. I think that's mine too. And I am sorry to pick like a moment of like drama in what should be a comedy as her Charlie Zenith, but I think that that is probably the most that her character was able to do in this limited movie. So what I was going to say is immediately after that happens though, Jeff Daniels and his fiance have a fight in the car and they split up and she's literally like, who am I going to marry now? And then Charlie sees Jeff Daniels sat on the side of the road uh, with like all his suitcases and stuff. And then just like literally slow motion runs into his arms. Yeah. Does not care. Does not care at all about anything that happened previously. (laughs) Correct. There's a lot of, like, so the only interaction that they had before she saw him with blood on his face was like, I'll help you out, is that she came to his room to deliver room service, and he's like, hey, I ordered an egg salad sandwich this way. And she's like, I brought you something completely different because that's the way that I like it. And he got, like, really cranky, like, big city mad, like, no, I like things, the details that I want, and she shoves the egg salad sandwich in his face. And there's a, no, it is delicious. And I'm going to say it, making decisions for other people is not a romantic gesture. Like, no. I'm like, that's yeah. not cool that she's like, no, the way I like it is better than you. I forced you to do what I want. And therefore that shows you that I really care about you or that we have some type of connection. That's, so, and also that happens with Michael Richards as well, where he like goes to the DA's house to be like, I confess everything. Oh, that's gross. And he's like, and she's like, get out of my house. You're a total stranger. And he's like, I'm going to push you against the door and kiss you. Oh, gosh. It's really fucking rapey. But, I um, also wrote down, if they end up together, I'm going to punch myself in the face. So guess what, guys? I punched myself twice. Yeah. What I was going to say, the sandwich feeding scene, I think, might be my Charlie Zenith. Okay. <laughs> Even that was though, my second choice. Even though it is absurd and ridiculous, she does a very good, like, smug, so you want me to go get one how you like it? And I kind of like that part of it. It's also the only part of the movie where they're, the character's, like, terrible nature is effectively rebuffed. Yes. Yeah. Uh, everything else kind of plays out. It's like, oh, I guess it worked out. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, and that's, like, she, like, got the better of him. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I So I feel like I agree. Like, that was my other moment because like there that she even though she's in the movie like she's one of the main characters like there's not there's not a lot going on with any of the characters and like 
it's just sort of disappointing because like there's no consequences for anything they do like i feel like the movie sets us up to dislike the fiance and that they go out of their way to like mock her for mm-hmm. her yeah needs. she's written as moron moronic and vacuous and, and like it's that and that she's her... designed to be easily dismissible right and also that like her sexuality is explicitly like mocked because like she has desire to have sex with her husband like i think they set her up mm. where she's like i'm barking at you and i'm being like oh, yeah. weird and it's sort of like oh like what a fool like let's humiliate her in a way that's sort of like i don't think it's unreasonable for a, an engaged woman to desire or want to have sex with her fiance it isn't necessarily reasonable for that woman to desire or want to have sex with jeff daniels but that's neither here nor there that is true <laughs> and also I actually, so they sort of set up this thing, which to me feels like a very 90s comedy joke where like someone has, uh, relies too much on their therapist to get through life. Like at some point she's like, if you don't have a boutonniere, then I'm not going to relate to you in the way the doctor so-and-so thinks that I should. But then when she comes out to see him, she's like, I was feeling this way on our phone call and I could either like punish you for how I was feeling or I could do what I wanted. Which Which sounds really healthy. It does. (laughs) Like I was kind of like, she's like going after what she wants and she's like, I missed you. I needed to see you. And so, like, I wanted to do that, and I'm taking care of, like, what I need. And I was kind of like, I don't know, sounds reasonable to me, but the movie, I think, is setting up to be like, what a psycho. She's so high maintenance. Yep. Right. And it's also like, how dare she care about all the materialistic details of a very expensive wedding that's happening in three days. And I was like, I don't know, because maybe people should plan shit together, and it shouldn't fall all to one person. And I'm not, like, a big proponent of materialism, and I don't think... Anyway, I just felt like... Jeff Daniels having a romantic relationship with Charlize was bounded on, like, based on nothing. It was so fast and so, like, "Mm, yeah, okay. But also that they then worked so hard to make sure that you felt okay with something that was so flimsy that just felt unnecessary. Like, that woman didn't need to be a punching bag in this movie. Also, like, I would argue you could have the same movie and have him still, like, hitch up with Charlize without betraying his fiance. Like, he could just be like, this is a podunk town and I, you know, I'm really committed to my job or whatever. He could be the normal cliche of the woman who's too busy with her work to find love. He could be that man. I wanted to say that it frustrates me how often, I watched a ton of wedding movies building up to my wedding and it so (laughs) often is, being high maintenance about your wedding is like the purest truth that you are a bad person <laughs> and it's just such a stupid cliche yeah i agree well i was gonna say there's a moment when they're sitting on the lawn chairs and he's bemoaning his life and how like because he got skipped a grade in school that oh, he was gosh. like an overachiever and he went to yale and he was at law review and now he has everything and he actually says i've got the big corner office I've got the boss's daughter. I've got blah, blah, blah. So he doesn't give her a name or his relationship to her. Like, she's literally an object that he owns as a marker of success. Ugh. And, like, at the beginning, Michael Richards says something like, oh, like, did you get the office as a wedding present? And it's sort of like, and he's like, and he denies it, like, that his relationship with her has anything to do with, like, his success or his position in the firm. And it's just weird. Like, I don't think he ever calls her by her name when he talks about her or anybody else. Like, it's just... It's just gross. Her name is Tiffany, by the way. Of course yes. it is. Also the TV and movies indicator of a bimbo <laughs> in that era. Are you a vacuous bitch? Your name is Tiffany. Yeah. Or Regina, apparently. There are I no feel... nice Reginas in TV or film. So that's oh. a diff- that's a conniving bitch. Yeah. Like Regina George. <laughs> and Tiffany's Regina vac- from once. To be fair, those are my only two examples. Okay. So if you know a nice Regina anywhere <laughs> okay. or film. I'll let you know. Yeah, so basically all the women characters are wit- written to be dismissed, and they're very paper-thin. We're leaving Charlie... out the best woman character, though. 
Which is? The nutritionist. Oh, the nutritionist. (laughs) Well, she is also written to be a moron. But in a great way. So at one point, Michael Richards' whole strategy is that the defendant defrauded people because he has a sugar addiction? Correct. So basically the Twinkie defense of yore. And his main witness (laughs) is a nutritionist played by Jennifer Coolidge. Always amazing. So great. And she really truly seems to believe what she is selling, which is that he is poisoned by refined sugar and it causes all these problems. And this is another thing I could not help but laugh at. The DA questioning her and because she so purely believes what she is saying (laughs) she can't effectively cross-examine her because she always has a further bullshit answer and then at one point she goes after her credentials and she's like where did you get your doctorate from and she's like i studied with dr so-and-so in so-and-so exotic location yeah and she says it like aren't you fucking impressed with me yeah <laughs> and it's just great i love i loved that scene i, uh, thought, that, I yeah. thought that was one of the few genuinely funny scenes yeah yes. i also thought it was funny when the shuckster got on the stand the, the defendant the defendant got on the stand and he was basically like selling them a cock and bull story about being a sad orphan and that everyone except for the da including the judge was like shh, shh let him keep going yeah and, like everyone was drawn in and i thought that i thought the judge who's like goes wildly back and forth from being reasonable the, there's to something irrational wrong yelling. with that judge yeah <laughs> he has some emotional problem <laughs> i was gonna say one of my favorite things in the movie was when the judge it's that moment 46 22 i forget what the question i is. love when you timestamp. <laughs> But the judge was just like, no. <laughs> I think it was like they were asking if they could do this or that. And the judge just looked and was like, no. <laughs> and that's sort of how I kept responding to everything in the movie. Like, I didn't get as mad as you would expect me to. And I wasn't like, I fucking hate this movie. But I just, every time something illegal or mean-spirited or just frankly, like, stupid, I just was sitting there going, no. <laughs> so I struggled with... All of our features. <laughs> D- is there an Ebert or Mebert? I did not make an Ebert or Mebert, which is terrible. So give me one second. You guys talk about other things. <laughs> I was going to say one other thing that brought me joy in this movie, and I want to believe that they knew it was stupid and that they were like, we're going to lean into it. Is So when Jeff Daniels first arrives, he's at the hotel and he looks out in the corner of his eye. You see a beautiful woman on a motorcycle and these like fucking wind chimes play and it's this ridiculous like yeah ah, like crazy hippie like a like a magic fairy has appeared music moment right and Look then at that ha- unicorn right yeah yes and then it happens a second time and michael richard sees her and he's like it's like a dream and i think because they didn't know much about comedy but they did know the rule of threes and then the next <laughs> time that you see them it's michael richards and her on the motorcycle like riding off into the distance but like just the sound cue of those moments was so over the top in a way that i wish that the movie if they were gonna go more in that direction it would have had more successful comedic moments so the score and like the sound cues of this movie are absurdly over the top Mm -hmm. like the sort of Com- action comedy harmonica music that plays oh something zany is happening wah, 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 like that kind of thing it was great constantly I, I was it. like I hate this <laughs> I just hate it 
Well, I felt like if the movie had matched the tone of the music and been more, like, zany and less like, oh, he's sad about life and learning something. Well, we right. were p- first putting this on, I remember thinking about how, in one of our early episodes, we talked about how we wish that Charlize did some screwball comedies. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I was like, maybe this will be that. Yeah. I think this wanted to be that, but boy, did yeah. it fail. I feel like screwball comedies have... <laughs> Like, there's a trope in screwball comedies where the cover is one person standing straight and one person, like, leaning against oh them. Oh, my gosh! Leaning against something else. Always! It's always that. It's like, is it zany? We're going to try to make a Z with our bodies. And it's so weird. And I'm like, guys, I've seen The Odd Couple. I know that there's often a straight man and a not-straight character. But like, Literally. Okay. But that is that is what this looks like. Ebert or Mebert. And it's probably pretty clear because I'm doing this on the fly, which it is. Okay. <laughs> but I'm hoping that the text here will make it ambiguous. <laughs> Ebert or Mebert. The movie reminded me a little of some of Billy Wilder's work. Ebert. Ebert. <laughs> yes, it is in fact an Ebert because I just pulled it out. But what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what? <laughs> he gave it three stars. He seems to like it. His first scene, or the first thing he talks about is our Charlie Zenith. Okay. And he basically is saying it's funny because it reflects the natures of the characters and it reminds him of Billy Wilder because it takes the characters seriously or at least as seriously as the material allows and got a lot of laughs by saying playing scenes straight. I have to say I felt like I had like a weird soft spot for this movie and I, I don't think I've ever seen it before. I definitely have not. But it felt very much like when I was in middle school and high school every comedy that Comedy Central would show over, over and, and over. over again. Like this, I'm like, it may have been on there, I never saw it, but it felt like that type of mid-90s comedy that I saw a million of. Yeah. So even though, like, watching it now, I'm like, nah, terrible, lots of things wrong with it. Like, it just sort of, it was a flavor that I am very accustomed to. Okay, kind of like when Bob was saying last week about how movies from 1996 oh, yeah. to 1999 have a special sway over you. Yes, yeah. exactly. But I definitely have like a kind of susceptibility for movies that came out around about this time because that's the time when I was most susceptible to movies. Yes. Like my favorite Bond movie is Tomorrow Never Dies, even though it's definitively not the best Bond movie, but it came out in 1997 and I was 12. I love that movie because it's yeah. it's so dumb, but it came along at the right time. And like Lost in Space, terrible movie, came along at the right time. Any movie between 1996 and 1999, I will automatically love. Um, but yeah, I did that... Did not apply to this movie though, that because this was made in that time period, yes. and it was thoroughly. I was thoroughly not charmed. <laughs> what other things did you hate about it? So I think what I find most detestable about this movie is that <laughs> <laughs> you have a rank of detestable. <laughs> so, this is three detestable, but this is five detestable. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. That's very funny. So I'm like the the thing that's worst about it is that the characters deserve, like, harsh comeuppance for what they are doing. Like, they are going, making wildly bad decisions and doing terrible things, and terrible things should happen to them as a result. And the only thing that happens is that Jeff Daniels gets a nice sandwich. That's the only comeuppance that he gets. <laughs> and Charlize gets a tire? <laughs> right. But, like, Charlize doesn't do anything wrong. Really. Charlize is fine. Jeff Daniels and Michael Richards both deserve to... Uh, well, J- Michael Richards does have to go to jail for what he does in this movie. Jeff Daniels also is, is also committing, committing a crime. Probably should be disbarred. Oh, for sure. Right. But I'm like, but the, 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 nothing, like everything turns out all right. They're just like, oh, I guess it was fine. 
And like I just I wanted something bad to happen. So yeah. you know how like at the end, like the, the movie sideways like sets up mm-hmm. like these characters are kind of they're kind of screwy and they're and they're kind of like one is a little more reliable than the other, one's a little smarter than the other, blah blah blah. But they work together that they're friends yeah. for whatever reason. And that movie has consequences to what goes on. Like they have gone th- like bad things happen and people get their faces smashed in and all that kind of stuff because of what they do. And it's similar kind of things that they do. <laughs> so that movie is much more satisfying for that reason. Like, real things happen to them because, like, as a consequence. This movie has no consequences and it's just aggravating that nothing ever, nothing bad happens to them. Yeah, the only consequence that Jeff Daniels gets is his fiance, who they presumably lost a ton of money, and oh, you'd gosh. think that her heart might be broken, that she's getting dumped two days before her wedding and humiliated in front of mm-hmm. everyone. They lose the case, by the way. I don't think we made that clear. Oh yeah, they lost the oh, case. Yeah. But like, she has like a fit where she like hits him with a suitcase and is like, how could you do this to me? And I think we're meant to be like, ugh, what a bitch. Yeah. How, why didn't she let that roll off her back? Where it's kind of like, yeah, how could he do this to her? And yeah, also, that- but that's what he wanted. He he wanted to leave her. Yeah. Like, he didn't get locked into that, like, situation right. that he didn't want to be But he's in. gonna get fired, right? Mm-hmm. Probably gonna okay. get fired. I, mean, I was surprised this movie was sort of missing a denouement, which would have made me more angry. Mm. But, like, I assume that they decide to live there with their blonde girlfriends. Yep. Well, here's the thing that was shocking to me, is I thought it was gonna be the total rejection of the city in favor of the simpler right. life by the beautiful water. But the parting moment is that Jeff Daniels gives Charlize a tire... Because her trailer is there because the tire blew out and she never left again. So this is like him being like, you can now go wherever you want. You don't have to be right about this. And here's my address in the city. So right. like, come to me. And that seemed surprising. Like I, I didn't think he was going to return to his life. And I felt like that was the only maybe slightly realistic thing. Because I was like, he's not going to do anything in that town. Right. I seriously thought it was going to end with them, like, in that town. Yeah. And, or whatever. The I think Michael Richards yeah. is staying. St- staying and Michael Richards going to law school is really what I thought was going to come oh, yeah. out. Yeah. yeah. So, well, and, like, the other thing I found really disappointing was that Michael Richards essentially wins the case. Like, because they ultimately right. loses the case, which is she what... O- she makes a... They offer a plea bar. Right. So, it's like, oh, he actually did well and won the case. Uh, but then, like, decides to, like, lose it after the fact. Like, the, the, it's a good thing that they lose the case. Like, they both kind of want that the guy to Matt go to Lock jail. The Matlock problem. Exactly. Um, but I'm like, no, I want I want Michael Richards to be devastated that he lost the case spectacular. Right. Like, I want him to have tried and failed. But yeah. he didn't. He tried and succeeded and then deliberately failed. Because of like he's, he wanted, he's trying to be a good guy. No, he wanted the client to take the plea bargain. The client refused. Yes. So it's the client's fault, right? Which again, wouldn't it be nice if it were Michael Richards? It fault? should be Michael Richards' fault. Yes. So yeah, I just I hated this movie, and also like <laughs> I also thought that like the premise has potential. Like yeah. In a way, it, it, it could, could be it could a good, be funny, silly, dumb movie. Right. The, the joke density was super low. Yeah. And it could yeah. have been, it could have been like a, a crazy screwball comedy. Like right. there are stakes involved in someone in the movie. Right. And I felt like they, it was a misuse of stakes. Like they're like, oh my God, his whole career is on the line. And rather than using a lot of like switcheroos and oh my God, it's so tense and hilarious. They're like, look at him be sad. If only the love of a much younger woman would make him better. <laughs> yeah. So I have some very perplexing news this is made by the same guy who made my cousin Vinny. oh yeah before or after after five I've years never, later i've never seen that well you should watch it it's great austin pendleton is in it He's and great. so it's just like wow a way to try to recapture lightning in a bottle and just get <laughs> some dirt 
<laughs> Anything uh, else on your detestable list? I was disappointed that most of the jokes weren't funny. Uh, <laughs> That's it, not detestable. Like, it's pretty detestable. Line? The, yeah. So there's a and scene like, in the bar where Michael Richards is hitting on oh, who he doesn't gross. know as the DA, and he opens with, like, don't you just hate the whole game? And she's like, what the hell are you talking about, stranger in a bar? I was talking to a person I know. And then he, like, goes into this thing about how he just loves to watch a movie and eat popcorn, and sometimes he's not even into intercourse, I believe he says intercourse. He does say intercourse. He, does. And he says intercourse is overrated. I'm a hugging man. <laughs> but I think that that's supposed to be, like, hilarious, but it's just yeah. gross. And yeah. again, it's because, like, Michael Richards... He's not be... funny. Like, yeah. I'm sorry, but he's not funny. Yeah. He's just, he conveys a constant element of, like, sleazy discomfort and wrongness in yeah. everything and he does. And it's even worse in the scenes where he's trying to, like, have these big dramatic realizations. Like, he has, like, a couple monologues yeah. about, like, how his life is in shambles and how he is a bad person. And it's just embarrassing to watch. Yeah, yeah. like, he is... He's someone who, like, as an actor, conveys just total, like, slimy phoniness constantly. Yes. Right. Like, just don't like it. And I'm going to use that to segue into who Keanu should play. Yeah. And it's fucking Michael Richards. Like, yeah. get him out of this movie. <laughs> Have someone who's at least affable and charming and definitely has potential for comedy is more believable that if he walked up to a woman and was like, I'm a hugger, that in some <laughs> universe she might eventually kiss him. And then the line later, which I just thought came across as cruel, there's a moment where Michael Richards is sitting at the bar with the DA after she gives him the plea bargain and she's saying like how easy it is to lie. And she looks him right in the face and is like, you're the most attractive man I've ever seen. Yeah. And that's her <laughs> way of being like, you're not, you're an asshole. And I feel like if she said it to Keanu, they'd be like, is she lying or is she telling the truth? Well, I think we were supposed to feel that way here because she ends up with him. Ugh, barf. God, it's gross. But I'm just like, I think Keanu would be fun in that role. I think that, like, I think it would alleviate some of the just dourness that this movie has. And also, like, he, I don't care if Michael Richards succeeds or fails. But I'm like, but if Keanu were doing the role, like, there would at least be, I'm like, you're doing something horribly illegal and I don't like rule breaking, but I want you to get in there, kid, and do your best. So the main right. change I would make to this movie overall is for Charlize's character, Billy. She also has a boy's name. She's that boys, cool. two names, Billy Tyler. Yeah. Girls with boys' names are cooler than girls with girls' <laughs> names. Girls, gross. All right, girl with a boy's name. <laughs> oh, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay. By the time I was born, it was very <laughs> clearly a girl's well, name. Well, well, you're just All standing right. on the shoulders of cool girls that had boys' names. <laughs> so you're such a cool girl that you don't even know that you've got a boy's name. You're too, it's just like a really beautiful woman. You're just too cool to even know that you're cool. <laughs> it's like you're not even wearing cool. You don't need cool. <laughs> Whew, what was I talking about? Billy. Oh, Billy should fall in love with the fake lawyer. And, and we have a Cyrano de Bergerac moment. And yes, yeah. and just her being impressed. No, I want her to really meaningfully fall in love with the fake lawyer, but there's the dissembling because he makes her think she's an actual lawyer, not I'm a single man. Ah. Okay, so we can either leave Jeff with his fiance and make her not a heinous bitch, or <laughs> Jeff can be the one who falls in love with the DA. Yeah. And then she has to overcome the you're lying to the court thing 
also. Yeah, because they have something meaningfully in common. In the movie, I would like that change. Uh, Jeff Daniels does admit to her at some point. He's like, yeah, yeah, no, totally lied to you about being an actor. And she's like, shrug. Yeah. Like, nothing affects her at all except for when she sees the fiancé and her Charlie Zenith. And maybe that's why that was so good is because, like, oh, that's the only believable moment for that character not just being a manic pixie dream star tattoo on her leg lady. Yeah. So... (laughs) If Keanu was playing Michael Richards, all the more reason. For them to fall in love. Because he could yeah. bite her on the butt. Again. <laughs> <laughs> and I would also like to see Keanu and Jeff Daniels back in action after Speed. Yes. That would be great. And it would be fun to have Jeff Daniels interacting with the DA and like having to lie about being a lawyer and her being like, I don't respect you because you're a, a nobody. Right. That would have been a better dynamic, better movie. So the other thing I thought was that maybe Keanu could play the nutritionist. Because he would be really good in that role. I think that's the role he would actually do the best work in. Do you know what that reminds me of? Would be Rob Lowe in that movie about California douchebags. There's (laughs) so many of those. Thank you for smoking. Yes. Oh. Yeah, where he's like an L.A. dude who's like all into meditation and fasting and, you know, like all the like new agey like crystal stuff. I feel like that style character, yeah. Keanu playing would be very funny. But yeah. I don't want to take this away from Jennifer Coolidge because That's she so does perfect. nail it. And then I thought, yeah. well, maybe she could have done something better if she wasn't wasting her time on this terrible movie. <laughs> but then I thought how she was only a year away from her big breakout in America, or two years away from her breakout in American Pie. Also, I would be sad if I couldn't see her highlights in this movie currently and be like, remember when the Stripes highlights were such a big thing? <laughs> right? Like, she just straight on has like, it's Zebra. like a headband of yeah. blonde in several places. And I'm like, ah, oh, the 90s, I miss you so. So I need to keep her in that role. Long story short. Right. So, so you're with me, Michael I'm Richards, you're right, out. Right back with you. So uh, I also, my notes for this was like, oh yeah, Keanu would be such a breath of, breath of fresh air. He could replace basically anyone. Jeff Daniels would be a good one. Um, that would also be fine. And I was also, but I was also like, the, but the real question is, who should replace Michael Richards? Because Michael Richards should be erased from history. <laughs> And I was like, I think uh, Rade Serbajida. <laughs> I take it! <laughs> He's delightful and charming. Wait, wait. So Rade is going to replace Jeff Daniels and Keanu is Michael Richards? Or no, the other way other around? Way around. Ah. But I, I take also, it. But I was also thinking, what would be a more life-changing revelation and a more compelling arc for Jeff Daniels would be if Keanu played Charlize. Yes! And then he realized that he was gay. I'll take it. That would be so much more interesting. Yeah. I love it. And although this movie would probably handle that very ineptly. Oh, yeah. yeah there would be some very... Like, cringy stuff. Yeah. yeah. So where could we find a place for a prison riot in this film? I mean, it's unquestionable that this film would be improved by a prison riot. Absolutely. Because there's... Oh. It's very hard to not improve this so film. So I think it could be in, like, a post credit sequence. Oh, with the, Rick Torn? Yes. That yes. he, like, convinces <laughs> them with his sad story that, like, the prisoners rise up or something. That's it. That's uh, the answer. Okay. So I was also thinking, I was like, they're basically only one degree away from a courtroom riot anyway. They yeah. should really have just gone with it. Because when What's-His-Face, Michael Rich is on the phone, he's like, hey, I really need a really big favor what I thought he was going to do was call in actor friends to sit in the audience in the mm-hmm. uh, the, oh. the courtroom and be rowdy whenever he made some compassionate speech. That would have been really funny. And I was yeah, that would have been a really good thing to do. 
Uh, it would have been much funnier than... Uh, well, the, the nutritionist was pretty funny, so I'm like, I give them props for that. But I was like, if that got out of hand and that became a riot, right. that would have been good. I, I expected the actor friends to feature more largely in it, and uh, maybe yeah. because I live in a post-hangover world, I thought the bachelor party was going to be more of yeah. the plot of the movie, but yeah. it's like five minutes. Oh, and yeah. then those guys are like, we're going back. Goodbye. And the only <laughs> hijinks are that he gets punched. He gets drunk and he gets punched. Like, nothing... Phenomenal right. happens. Yeah. What a grounded reality they built. Yes. <laughs> but I, I just, I kept, again, like, if this movie were funnier or were more invested in being a comedy, I thought that they could have, like, had, like, made a more elaborate lie, like, double down on the lie, right. like, have yep. actors come in as uh, false witnesses or whatever. It's like, we've well, already done everything wrong. Right. Yeah, there's a lot of things they could have done better. Like the the horn honking scene, I was like, oh, this could potentially be really funny mm-hmm. when because Jeff Daniels has been banned from the court and they need a way to signal like what he needs to do. So they invent like a Morse code horn honking, and they use it exactly once. Yeah, and they use it. Yeah, he uses it once, and then later on, there's you know he gets distracted or like he closes the briefcase on the baby monitor so, so right. he can't hear anymore, and then he then goes and gets distracted by Charlie's. But then other people start honking their horns. What would have been funnier is if Jeff Richards was still paying attention and other people started honking their horns and he had to try and tell people not to honk their horns, but was still paying attention so then would like reach into their cab and start honking their horn for them or something in particular patterns. That would have been really funny. Yeah. But what they did was, oh, other people are honking their horns now. Also, like, it should be funny when Michael Richards is getting things wrong, like he's like just guessing, but it just comes across as pathetic it's just yeah. like oh this is just kind of sad and it's like maybe if we had a Keanu in that role or Rade yeah. then there I'm like I would believe that there could you could inject a lot more comedy into this movie yep right yeah it's the, one of the least funny comedies I've ever seen I think I laughed precisely once I laughed several times I laughed but I that. am what we call a laugh slut <laughs> I watched this very early in the morning and it's the first movie in a while that I've watched straight through from beginning to end and didn't have to split it up um <laughs> So that may have given it a little bit of a boost for me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's rank it, friends. Okay. It's coming in kind of middle of the road for me. I think that I am going to put it above two days in the valley and below that thing you do. All right. Oh my god. (laughs) (laughs) I am ranking this below Children of the Corn 3. Oh! Urban Harvest. What? It is my second from the... It's not more hateful than Prometheus, so it's still still staying above that. But I just found everything about this, I just found so irritating and aggravating, uh, and I just... I wanted it to not exist, uh, and I just... I hated everything about it. Oh, man. I'm putting mine just below Two Days in the Valley, above Battle in Seattle, because like I said, I did laugh. (laughs) Yeah. But it is decidedly not good. And I think that this might be, you know, my recommendation threshold is several notches up. I believe this is my actively not recommendation (laughs) threshold. (laughs) Like, avoid this if you can. See, it's weird. So for me, I, like, I waffled on putting it above or below Two Days in the Valley because I think they're very similar in some ways, like, in terms of, like, level of quality. But I'm kind of like, but you don't have to watch Charlize die in this. That's so true. I'm going to give it a little bit of a bump. Yeah, I do see what you're saying about their similarities. I know this is going to yeah. make Bob have a stroke. Yeah. <laughs> For Two Days in the Valley? Yeah. Like, yeah, they very much so have totally. a, a mid-90s yes. attempt at slapstick right. kind of Vaguely sexist. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, un- incredibly young Charlize. Yeah. <laughs> she looks like the 20-year-older thing. I feel like this might have been filmed 
earlier than it was released. Mm. I don't know. She looks so young in this. She also wears a shirt from the gap in this that I'm like, I definitely owned that shirt. The blue <laughs> striped shirt with I a know little exactly what you're talking about. Oh yeah, I'm sure that there's a picture of me in that looking not remotely as good in it. <laughs> yeah, like she just looks like a baby and then when this 40-year-old man goes after her, it's just oh, gross. Yeah, it's really violent. And there's a moment in the movie after they've boned in what appears to be a, a very small twin bed. So it's Jeff Daniels draped out on the bed and Charlize's head is in her lap. And if you look, her ass uh, in his lap, her ass is hanging over nothing and her feet are like against the dresser. I was wondering what that was about. Just an incredibly <laughs> uncomfortable position for yeah. her to be in. It's like, ah, post-coital, let me just get into bridge pose. Just drape myself <laughs> over the air so that you, sir, can have my entire bed <laughs> because I'm here for you in every way. So that was my second choice for Charlie Zenith. Was <laughs> just seeing nude, her naked, nude and shiny under the sheets. So just like, for shallow reasons. Yeah, because okay. she's well. I mean, she's basically a sex kitten in this movie. Yeah, that is yeah. her point of being here. I'm yeah, like, those shorts were impressive. That girl. <laughs> she also looks really good in her mom jeans. Also, she has like like real Buffy hair at the end. Yes, <laughs> like real Buffy just got a haircut hair. Yeah, and it just uh, she looks great. Get mm-hmm. it, girl. Get something just more attractive than get, Jeff Daniels, for the love of yeah, God. Yeah, Jesus. What? Although I will say, like, I actually liked Jeff Daniels in this movie when he wasn't jumping her. I, I agree. He was well cast for the role that they created. Yes. yes. I agree. Uh, he was also better at physical comedy than Michael Richards. Yeah. Well, anyone is. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I'm Michael like, Richards knows how to open a door. He built his career off of it. <laughs> like, when he was fumbling the book, I'm just like, I look, guys, I studied theater in college at an unprestigious acting program at the state school. And I saw people in, like, intro to performance who never would act again who could fumble a book better yeah. than that dude. Like, it's just, right. it feels very, like, someone who's just like, I like this. Yeah. And then- Roger Ebert commented on that, too. He- I don't want to disagree with the great. No, he said, it had some other scenes that aren't so funny when characters trip over things and knock things over and we doubt any human being would be so clumsy. Yeah. I'm like, if you guys want to see people tripping over things and have it be beautiful and true, watch Dick Van Dyke. When he talks about why slapstick isn't funny, meanwhile doing a million slapstick things, and it is a work of art and yes. genius. Um, or, I don't know, watch Dario Fo do anything. Like, watch real slapstick or real vaudeville. Like, yeah. just Michael Richards, stop. Just stop. He did. <laughs> Yay! Yay. Wait, he was I'm probably confused. made to. Thank you so much for listening. Shout out to Jay Evans. I hope you enjoyed this. Alex O'Brien, you are not wrong. Her canon is full of variety. <laughs> well, I think what we're learning on this journey through her career is that she doesn't always necessarily make great choices. Yeah. Hey, and yeah. this was definitely in the time when she needed to take what she could get. And this so is true. she took this. Yeah. Thank so. you, Charlize, for developing a better career. Yeah, thank you <laughs> for there being a world in which you could go from this to Atomic Blonde in our current year. Right. This was the same year as Devil's Advocate. Oh. So guys, in 20 years. So right, <laughs> in, once she reached the age of Jeff Daniels in this film. Yeah. <laughs> then, <laughs> oh my god. Right? So it took her, the, Charlie's present day is the age that Jeff Daniels was in this film. Yep. And she would be boning a 20 year old. I can't even think of a 20 year old actor. Uh, what about the One Direction dude? Harry Styles? Yeah. Is he an actor? He, he was, was in Dunkirk. Dunkirk. 
Harry Styles dating Charlize Theron. Honestly, I'd watch it. That sounds I, I'm, honestly, I'm like, I think that that movie would get made in this yeah. day and age. Make it happen, Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Thank you to Alex Reed for being our friend and the genius. Yes, and the theme song. And most of all, thank you, Charlize. Then you're doing it wrong. And, <laughs> Not to brag. <laughs> Regina, care to comment? <laughs> um, that was two thumbs up for those who can't see. Bitches everyone! Well, except for you two. <laughs> you two matter.